Welcome to Expounded Universe, Season 17, The Wrap-Up Episode. The book, Coruscant, The Emperor's Hot Nights. Book 5, Steam Between the Streets. Uh, with your hosts, Jeff and John, let's go! Hey, John, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah, we're using that one. Yeah. That's okay. the one. That was the one. That was it. That was definitely the one. That was the intro everyone wanted. That's like, no one cares about the intro. <laughs> People care. People care about you. No. And me. <laughs> Mostly you. Mostly you, though. <laughs> I hope no one cares about me. I am I am on the, the, the thin veil of between, between awake and asleep. I'm uh, on the edge yeah. of glory. I'm and I'm hanging on a moment with you. <laughs> I'm perched over the abyss of con- of uh, unconsciousness by a thin skein, a bubble, if you will. Oh yeah, uh, of of nothing but desire to get this job done. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, the exact level of uh, coherency mm-hmm. and interest that the people demand. <laughs> I'm sure that's what they want. But uh, I was supposed to have a a uh, one of those sleep study things where where a doctor is convinced I need to strap a Darth Vader machine to my face. Yep, uh, to go to bed at night and. So they want me to come in and, you know, lie there and not sleep for eight hours while they I'm supposed to be asleep, but I can't because I'm like being turned into a robot, Superman three style. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just bunch this glue fifty fucking thing. Anyway, they did it last night instead of two night is the thing. They called and asked if I could do it a day early and I thought, Oh, I might as well do that because that way I don't have to record on the night that I have it and it was a mistake. I should've I should have uh You should have just been like, No. Yeah, but I took the early now I have because they put like 50 electrodes on me and they don't even electro glue used to be just glue. Nah, man. It's now it's, it's, it's like a little putty. Pa- it's like paste. Yeah, it's a, just a little putty they it's put on you. Fucking mucilage or something. It's like thick. It's like they mix it with toothpaste. It's great. Yeah. I love it. I love I thought for sure going in there that it was going to be like, "Oh, I'm going to have like, you know, one on either temple, they'll put the ones on the chest and then I'll have the finger thing." But they're like Oh baby, we're going whole hog. You're gonna have full electro dreads. Yeah, like I no for serious. I felt like I felt like I was on the cover of a heavy metal magazine. <laughs> if heavy metal instead of featuring a big boobed robot robot pictured like a sleepy homeless looking guy, you know, <laughs> a big boobed homeless guy. <laughs> I mean, every every heavy metal was always the same thing. It was like you know, in the future, you will be able to fuck this robot. Was always the cover. <laughs> Uh yes. And it always had like wire dreads, but I had wire dreads and straps around my chest and tummy and And let me just tell wires you wires that went all the way down my pants. I gotta say, the uh <laughs> the ones that they put on my head or whatever, I didn't even mind that much. It's the two they put on my chest where they didn't use the putty, they just stuck it on there and i'm like haha yes i have chest hair this is staying there for a while yeah uh, thankfully i don't have as much chest hair as you do i'm a, am i'm alive and uh, i'm like a big fat hairless otter of a man uh but just, just picture a big fat hairless otter just picture it just put it in your mind yeah it's gross it's gross don't don't put it in your mind yeah i should i shouldn't have led with put it in your mind when i actually don't want you to uh so yeah. uh so i'm very very sleepy i did i did i just didn't sleep i no, just I, it, you don't you you will fall asleep for enough time for them to get enough information to go like yeah your shit's all fucked and you suck 
And then that's it. I like that they had to fill out a little survey where they're like, did you rest better or less better than you normally rest this evening? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, dude, you turned me into a half a robot. I didn't sleep well at all. <laughs> and there's like a Y section. And I was like, because you glued 50 things to me. <laughs> because I was terrified to move. <laughs> I was afraid I'd wake up and go herring after Superman. <laughs> I am Metallo now. Oh, uh, man. So there you go. Yeah. That's why you are loved little, um, Streets of Shadows. Street of Shadows. Streets of Shadows. It's actually Street of, Sh- street of Shadows. Coruscant It's just nights. one street. Singular street. Many Coruscants. One night. Okay, so it's Coruscant's night. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> no, the fact that it's called Street of Shadows, I'm pretty sure I got that wrong fully 50% of the episode intro. I'm sure. Because Streets of Shadow makes more sense than Street of Shadows. Yeah, I mean, either way is fine. I mean, they're both, they both make sense, but Streets of Shadow sounds right. Yeah. No one ever calls the video game Street of Rages. <laughs> Except now. <laughs> now they do. Now it's Street of Rages 4, and it's a fucking good game, actually. And it's check, a banger. Check it out sometime. It goes hard. It goes hard in the paint. You be a kangaroo, and you punch a motherfucker. <laughs> Honestly, I, I I think it's great that when they remade the street uh, Streets of Rage series, or Street of Rages series, uh, they were allowed to make their new characters, and then, like, nothing else. So all the secret characters in the game are just the original versions of all the characters from all the old Sega Genesis games. Yeah. You can unlock Axel as his uh, one, two, or three game count versions, and it's fine. It's great. Everyone loves it. Great. Yeah. So anyway, uh, wrap-up. We're doing a wrap-up today on the uh, Street of Shadows. Oh, yeah. Now, let me tell you something right now. Yeah, please do. Please talk at length, and I will definitely not close my eyes. <laughs> I'm I'm listening to you. It's just I just mm-hmm. gotta close my eyes for a second. I gotta do a really complicated calculation in my head. I'm just worry. thinking about something real hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if I don't respond, just know I'm thinking. It's just because I'm thinking. You just do all the talking, okay, pal? If I if I snore a little, that's not snoring. I'm just that's you're content. very funny. I'm snorting. <laughs> that's just content. The people want my snores. It's uh, a- ASMR. Asm. Asmer. So yeah, uh, the book, interesting enough to as a departure to be like, let's try and do noir in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it really, I think for me, underlines why you, you don't normally see a lot of that as far as like noir plus other stuff. That's fair. I mean, I'm not sure I even feel like this was. It felt more like they had a spread, like a, a, a checklist of the things that need to occur in noir but not necessarily any one of them that was like, well, this is how noir should read. Exactly. This, this is the flow of noir. Instead, it was like, you need to have a fight in an abandoned amusement park. Yeah, okay, got it. Thank you. We'll put that in there. No, it is it is definitely a book of someone who is attempting to write noir rather than a noir writer attempting to write Star Wars. Yeah. You gotta have a uh, you gotta have a good woman done wrong and uh, and and uh, a new woman a wrong woman done new yeah and a new wo- and a new woman what walks in and she's got legs all the way to here she does because that's right you know here. that's that's Loranth and, and Deja right there is you've got the 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 woman at home who who you can try she's the uh, Dolores from Who Framed Roger Rabbit where where Deja is definitely like the Jessica Rabbit Dolores my, my number one reference for all things noir is of course who framed roger rabbit of course the I think classic it's, it's, noir. It's, it's the seminal work yeah. of noir cinema when people think man what's the the classic noir they're like well obviously 
Let's get Who Framed Roger Rabbit out of the way. We all know. Front and center, right at the front, Robert Zemeckis' 1990, I think 1990 classic, 92, somewhere in there, that that uh, obviously set the tone for how no, all noir would go both forward and behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Before. It influenced everything that came before as it well. It did. It, it rippled outward through time in every direction. <laughs> Howard Hawks owns, owes everything to that one part where they say, Dumbo works for peanuts. <laughs> everything. Everything. I wouldn't have a career. No career. <laughs> That's why so many of his movies featured uh, shouting Native American bullets. That's why. Uh-huh. No other reason. <laughs> Just that one. Uh, but yeah, it was interesting to see them try and fit those into a a setting and a story that felt like it was actively fighting against them trying to do that yeah it kind of did you can tell because there's all these parts where they try to write something noirish and it doesn't make any sense in a star wars context like like the aforementioned amusement park where we're like these guys live in like the shittiest part of the shittiest part of coruscant but you know three blocks away from them is a permanent nighttime good times for every kid amusement park yeah and it's one thing when you're like oh yeah you know we're going down a fucking like coney island or whatever yeah and you're like okay i get that that's sort of a thing. But when you're talking about, like, this is a planet-sized city, yeah. and you live in the shitty part, there's no carnival. Well, the other thing is that going down to Coney Island would make sense in the war thing, because Coney Island is a horrible place. Exactly. You're going to you're gonna step on a syringe and, ga- and accidentally get married to Snooky if you go to Coney Island. Don't go to Coney Island. It's, it's awful. But the one they go to is not a seedy, crappy, rattle-trap amusement park. Everything in it is... A, an up-to-the-minute droid simulator for some reason. Huh? Hey, you want to live a life of being a droid? Get in aisle three right there. We got the be- the top-of-the-line simulating that you're a droid type Yeah, machine. you can go beepity-boop and hand a guy a drink. It's exactly <laughs> what you want from your night off. <laughs> uh, die on the outside of a spaceship. Yeah, we could do that. We could do. You could be the spaceship and die as well. Yeah, you could be a spaceship and have someone die on the outside of you and feel what that is. Yes, I am a spaceship and I fucked your spaceship. <laughs> It's, uh, it was interesting, especially given that we read book two. Yeah, that is definitely kind of a problem for us, is that we picked the middle child of a three-book series. Although, I mean, I feel like this mostly was self-contained. I mean, obviously the entire, like, who killed Vess Vallette little mini mm-hmm, that's adventure. Yeah, that, that's the self-contained bit. Uh, the only part that isn't really is that there seems to be some kind of ongoing concern involving the mystery of I-5 and... And uh, Jax's dad, yeah, Lorne Pavon. Also, no. there's there's some Vader connection that didn't quite get resolved. No, I mean the Lorne Pavon stuff was its own book series. Yes, so that's less that we fucked up in only reading the second book of this series, and just that we came in in like a sequel to a different book series. Plus, the book makes it. All these books have always been written so that you can pick them up and read them if if you don't the first one, so that you have fucking Den being like, you know, I was a embedded war journalist reporter on the planet drongo let me tell you like every time he talks oh yeah so it's, it's not like we miss his intro no it's interesting to see that happen with a character that isn't like han solo or luke skywalker oh yeah where they don't show up and they're like ah yes luke walked in and remembered the fact that he was a farm a, boy a farm boy once and he thought about tatooine and how he got on a spaceship yeah <laughs> like, han smiled roguishly Eh? Yeah, uh, get he, it. He thought about the times that he was just a simple smuggler before he joined the rebellion. Yeah, and then he smiled roguishly. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So yeah, I don't think we didn't miss much. I mean, I feel like the uh, how they came together stuff is pretty much the one thing you're going to get from reading the first book. Like, uh-huh. why is Den hanging around with Jax, and why is Loranth here? Mm-hmm. How come they haven't all fucked off off planet where they'd be safe? But, <laughs> how come like, they? How come they haven't all fucked? How come they haven't all fucked? We all wanted it's it's a will to, it's a Sam and Diane thing. Except it's everyone. Except it's every single Everyone's person. Everyone's like, that- oh man, why aren't you getting in those folds when he's running around going, oh my God, you're beautiful. <laughs> Shut up, you idiot. I, I have to draw you. <laughs> uh, I also, one of the things about this being a noir setting in Star Wars without it being someone that writes noir or knows how to write noir mm-hmm. is... Watch, we're going to find out this guy wrote like 50 regular detective oh, sure. novels. And if they were good, then I assumed that he was just phoning this one in then. Because <laughs> the main problem is none of the noir stuff feels like it gives a shit. Because like when they go do the Star Wars based things and they're talking to weird aliens or trying to do force nonsense, you know, it seems like a standard Star Wars novel. Hmm? But as soon as they're like, we're going to go try and get information from this guy, it's basically like <laughs> like a DM who has no idea how to do that setting tries to run a game in that. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, yeah. And then this guy's like, fuck you, man. And, and what do you do? And you're like, no, this, this isn't how this should work. Your cool noir detective shouldn't walk in someplace and be like, Jacques. Hey, dude, how come you're such a fucking murderer, huh? You tell your parents you're a murderer? Like, the fact that it happens multiple times and he just sucks at his job, you're like, this shouldn't be a thing that happens. I keep thinking back to the Cephalon, which was like a one-scene event. Like, we, I, I would have figured that would matter more. They, they meet our weird prediction the, alien. Yeah, the prediction alien that lived in, like, six fish tanks. And they go and see it. It says a bunch of random nonsense. At the very end, they repeat the random nonsense. Like, ha, he was trying to tell us something. And the, the only the random nonsense could be vaguely read as like, watch out, bad times ahead. <laughs> Look out, man. <laughs> hey, try not to invest money. Not looking good in your future. <laughs> Beware of strangers. Your friends appreciate the joy you bring to their lives. Your lucky numbers are <laughs> like it, it was just that kind of shit. Uh, but the Cephalon itself was like a, a pretty classic noir thing. You go to meet like a local information broker and it's a smoky room. And, and, and for whatever reason, they can't give you the information like, because they're being tailed by cops or because there's someone with a gun to their back or something. They can't give you information, but they give you cryptic clues that you can kind of pick up on. Well, yeah, I mean, you'd normally have this as like the shadowy person in an alley gives you a weird cryptic clue and then disappears. Yeah. And then you would find out later who that was. Mm-hmm. This was just like more this feels more like the going to a fortune teller type scene yeah. where it's just like here's vague bullshit anyway uh <laughs> that'll be 20 bucks <laughs> is that a regular noir thing do they routinely go to see fortune tellers or just like i see dumb crap in your future i mean it does show up from time to time <laughs> yes usually making the main character big so that they can you know go go and get a job at a toy company and have, ah, sex, yes. have sex with a lady. Yeah. Famous noir storylines. That's yeah. I'm 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 only gonna stick to the most classic of noir movies. Uh Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Big. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the classics. Yeah. Yeah. The the, the works that they teach in schools. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The ones where if you go to film school, they're mm-hmm. like, and now 
the classic noir tropes. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Noir Tropes 101. I want everyone to watch Milo and Otis and uh, report I back. To, I want you to really look in other medium that uh, harkens to a large Tom Hanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a big man on a piano. I, I want you to watch every noir, in every noir film that, that we know of, uh, Tom Hanks pees. <laughs> so I want you to go find that. Right there on screen. Go, go find all the movies where Tom Hanks pees. And Those, we see his dick. Yeah, you, you always see his wiener. Uh, either right out in front or dangling between his legs in a a shot from the back. It's one of the two. Yeah. But uh, you always see it. Uh, And also uh, also watch Benji the Hunted. Yeah. Yeah, That's that's probably the first noir movie. The first. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Proto-noir. Proto-noir, they called it. Noir. Proto-noir, they called it at the time. Mm -hmm. They were like, we assume later there will be a thing (laughs) called noir. (laughs) Based on this, this, this... made at home movie about a dog that runs around in the woods yeah we assume later someone will create noir from this <laughs> that'll be the one and it'll radiate backwards in time yeah i mean well, it's why they called world war one world war one at the start <laughs> they were very pessimistic back then didn't we recently watch a movie where that happened where someone referred to world it was like 1930 and someone called it world war one yeah I can't, uh, it might have been uh sky captain it might have been uh, that that sounds about right anyway uh yeah so so the Cephalon was one of the fortune the, the fortune teller, I guess. But we also you were talking more talking about the Spawn scene where where uh, Jax just barges in and is like, "I know you did it, random stranger I've never met." Yeah, because normally you have shakedown scenes where you're like, "Hey, I know you have information that yeah. I need," and that the shakedown scene is such a staple mm-hmm. of the genre that when all we got were like random accusatory things i was like man this just feels like someone who doesn't know how to do the genre and i'm not saying it's because you're a bad writer if you're not a writer that does that genre then trying to do it obviously is going to feel a little weird because it's not what you normally do no i totally get where you're coming from and normally the shakedown scene isn't they think this person did it Oh, yeah. It's Normally they, it's like, it's, oh, this is local hood who always knows what's going on in the yeah, neighborhood. You're like, I go to the bar and find yeah. Jimmy O'Shaughnessy and he knows stuff all the time because he's always in the bar and he always hears something. Yeah. He's always he's like on the supply side of crime. You know, you, the, the, you can always count on that guy to hear about the goings and comings of town. Yeah. It's like O'Shaughnessy's never getting like he'll get in trouble with the law, but he's never in jail. Mm-hmm. It's the kind of thing where you're like, yeah. I find informants, and for some reason, no one has just decided to murder them. It's weird that we didn't do that. Like, I mean, I guess the closest we get is the scene where he politely goes to talk to that species of space elephants. I guess. Remember that? Remember when they lived in a prefab collection of, like, shipping containers that they'd arranged to be elephant-sized? Yeah, that's they were the like, closest you get yeah, to that. That was a weird moment that I, I don't think we ever referenced back to at any point. But that's, honestly, that feels more like... Because there are two different types of shakes da- shakedowns. Yeah, that one there's was the friendly. One in, there's the one that happens in a bar, and it's just some low life. Yeah, and then there's always like some high upper crust, like criminal tied person. But you're friends with them, or you have an understanding. You have some sort of in there. Yeah, where you're like, ah, oh, yes, I'm gonna go talk to the kingpin of crime about some shit. Yeah, and it turns, and, and he'll be like offended that this crime happened out inside of his purview and oh yeah so you can talk to him directly you can be like he's like this is not how i do business i run a clean ship i want you to find the person who did this yeah or my name isn't fingers malone or whatever you know that kind of thing (laughs) yeah 
Because they're that's the I'm kind fingering of thing. you, Malone. I'm gonna finger Malone, and Malone's like, ooh, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Fingerprints. No. no. <laughs> Honestly, now I'm thinking about the most recent noir thing I've actually watched, which is just that one episode of Venture Brothers, <laughs> where they go all noir, and that has a really good shakedown scene in it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make me punch a kid. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, so um. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a neat idea to do a detective story in Star Wars. There are a couple of things I thought could have been done differently here. One of them is that this isn't really a story where they leave the clues and you can guess who did it before they reveal who did it. No, it it doesn't have the sense of being a mystery Mm -hmm. story. It really does just feel like a Star Wars story that they put some trappings on because you don't have the whole, like, uh, in a mystery, you want to be able to have the information and kind of follow along with the main character. In a noir, you have all the genre things that we were talking about. Yeah. And in here, it just sort of seems like they wanted to make nods to it. Yeah, the other thing about this book that kind of, I mean, in, in the uh, postscript that kind of bugged me was that it felt like that Typho stuff was just like a short story that the author also wanted to do because it has nothing. It just keeps, it, they just keep cutting back to Typho and he's like, He's like, I got to find the murderer of Almadala. Like, yeah, he technically finds out that Jax lives on the planet, but he doesn't just suspect Jax. That's never part of it. He kind of uses him for his scheme, but not in a way that matters. At most, they meet once, and he's like, I think I'll mail that guy a lightsaber. Oh, yeah. No, their stories are very much perpendicular, where they meet once and then continue to veer off and never touch. Yeah, they've got nothing to do with each other, and it's. I, I, I'm wondering if he really wanted to write that Typho story, or if that was just something that was coming down from on high, like, oh, we need to clean up the Typho character uh, and have him get killed by Vader for X reason. Can you include that in the second book of the Noir Detective series? <laughs> See, that feels like it... That doesn't seem like it would be a thing that matters. It, it much more feels like this is a thing where he was like, oh, yeah, this is uh, something I had in my head where I assumed that Typho was in love with Amidala and the mm-hmm. whole revenge murder plot thing. That would be a fun subplot. I wonder if he pitched it as its own book and they were like, no, but you can include it in another book if you want. Because <laughs> otherwise you're just like, what does any of this have to do with it? Like, Jax doesn't even know who Amidala is. No, the, I mean, I'm sure he does. Yeah, I'm sure he's like, oh, some Naboo senator. Yeah. Okay, but he's not. He doesn't have any connection to it. We remember there's a point in the book where he establishes that yes, he met Anakin, and he's like Anakin's kind of an asshole, and that was the full extent of their uh, of their interactions. Well, yeah, he had uh, the Pyronium nugget, and he was supposed to bring mm-hmm. that back to him at some point. Yeah, just just weird that they bothered. And then of course, Aura Singh, the the uh, the elephant in the prefab shipping <sighs> container God. Uh, of this, which is such a a weird topic. Yeah. Now again. Noir type conventions of having someone who's like a hired assassin, uh, you, a dangerous femme fatale, someone who is like, oh, what do you what do you find? Oh, it's probably some sort of fucking ninja lady who, you know, throws darts or whatever big bad and is mysterious. And he's always like, you know, the big the big bad shows up stroking a space cat or whatever. And it's like, I would like you to meet space Yukio skilled in the le- in the deadly and the pleasurable arts. Yeah. You get that kind of dumb bullshit in your noir, and Aura Singh fills that character slot without actually filling that character idea, because normally the you'd, you'd think that character would be an active hindrance. Yeah. Like, they would be going to go be like, oh, we're following up on a lead, but it turns out that, like, 
that person has already been murdered by this assassin. Or, you know, we go try and find whatever and we get into a fight and uh, we lose some piece of evidence. Like, there should be more. An actual setback that this person is representative of rather than just, I am a threat because I told you so. Or a Singh finally runs into any member of the main group, Loranth, six chapters from the end of the book. And then fights, in the second to last chapter, fights Jax once. Uh-huh. And that's the full connection she has to them. And not only that, but we don't even set up how. Remember the whole thing was that she got in a fight with, she went to that secret underground bar that was named after Colors, because that's super badass. And she fought like three guys between the red room and the green room. And then she went to the green room and it just ended the chapter there. And then the next time we see her, she is attacking Loranth in the in the Hall of Mirrors. Eh. How, what, what, what was any of that shit for then? Eh. There's never a point where she gathers the information. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't... <sighs> Making that character someone that we see through the eyes of is also not a great idea, because the whole point of that character is to be someone who is mysterious and shows up unexpectedly, is deadly, is going to make the characters have to be like on the lookout, be on their toes. Yeah. And instead, it's like, oh, yeah, we jump over to see what's going on with our mysterious assassin, and it turns out she's inept and thinks highly <laughs> of herself. Yeah, well, she's she's fairly certain she's the most badass in the, in the galaxy. Yeah. Oh, she's wrong again. It's a lot of telling instead of showing is this book for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, same thing with Typho, where it's just like, oh, as a bodyguard, of course I will know everything. And you're like, why? <laughs> Stop it. Give us some further backstory, please. I mean, maybe or that's all the backstory allowed. It was sort of the exact opposite of the Aura Singh problem where you're like, he never runs into an obstacle that matters. No. Like, there's no point where Typho is stymied. It's always, I need this thing. And because I was a bodyguard, I do it. And you're like, what? Yeah. Luckily, I know about this species of uh, accountant rabbit that needs to be insulted to give you information. Yeah, it's it's strange. We never get a part where, like, oh, our main hero goes to try to find something but gets, like, roughed up by local toughs and thrown into a gutter somewhere. Yeah. Can I, by the way, mention in, in regards to that accountant rabbit who you have to insult to get information out of, but once you do, they just give you everything? Yeah. That's a dumb Star Wars trope where you're like... Oh, I know the weakness of this species. If you insult them, they'll give you whatever. And I'd be like, you know what else knows the weakness of that species? His employer, I bet. And as soon as they were like, oh, wait, you will give up and literally any information to any civilian who calls you a dickhead? I think this is a bad fit. We're going to we're gonna move you behind the part of the partition where uh, the customers can get to you. Because either you are going to insult our customers and they will hate you and everything yeah. will suck, or they insult you and then you give up whatever. Yeah, that's not... That's not a good, you can't use that kind of species to be, to work in that position. It's like, what's your job? Oh, I'm in charge of telling you, you can't have this information. But if you know my species gets off on getting called dickheads. <laughs> Dickhead. <laughs> you got to say it in a New Zealand accent too. Yeah. Because <laughs> on our, our planet, we were consistently hunted by the swear wolves. Yeah. <laughs> Hungry for, uh, for insult rabbits. So hungry for these insult rabbits. Yeah, so, I don't know. Overall, I would say the book is sort of interesting, a bit of a failure in terms of being a noir thing, and ultimately reprehensible entirely off the 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 the, uh, the contents of one page. 
yeah, managed well, to kill the whole book where they were like, ah, fuck it. Just feed a random criminal to the to the justice system. Uh, such for, as it is of the Empire. Yeah, you know, just feed them to the Empire for a crime they definitely didn't commit because we know who committed it. Ah, who cares? There's too many criminals on the streets anyway. So says me, a Jedi. That's right. I believe in the thin blue line. You guys should be able to do anything you want. Vigilante <laughs> justice, I say. Back to blue. That's why I am a private investigator because I just love cops so much. <laughs> Oh, God. What the fuck was that? <laughs> some horse shit. Some, just some absolute horse shit. Uh, all right. Do you want to get into questions from listeners, maybe? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. I'm sure that there are plenty of questions that Lots. are going to at least cover part of what we were talking about or what we would. Oh, I think we'll be fine. So, so uh, I have got, one. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Jeff and John, how would you clown on Aura Sing? <laughs> I mean, I'd probably just pa- call up her Wikipedia page and read it to her. That'd be pretty much be my trick. If I met Aura Singh in real life, they'd be like, did you know you die in your 80s and you have a total like change of heart and become a good guy later? And she'd be like, I would never. And I'd be like, no, it's right here. Look, nah, <laughs> check, nah. check this out. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to get in a fight with you. You'd have to, you're going to have to murder me if you want me dead. But in the meantime, let's look at your Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I would clown on uh, Aura Singh just by being like, well, as a podcaster, of course I know how. <laughs> All podcasters are, of course, trained in the ancient deadly art of the Vanadian lit, uh, flame sword. So, so I'll uh, just use one of those to fight her. I mean, you can check with any podcaster you happen to know personally. We all know how to use Vanadian flame swords. Uh, it's just day one stuff for podcasting. People often send us emails like, like, like hey, what kind of mic should I get? What should I look at as a like, commercial backing system? Yeah. And I'm like, look, number one. Get yourself some flame sword lessons. First things first, get a Vanadian flame sword, learn, acquaint yourself with it, learn how to use it. Number two, stop asking me about what commercial network to go to. If we knew, we'd have one. <laughs> if we knew how to do that, we'd do it. Yeah, if we knew that secret to starting your podcast day one on a big network shilling for mattresses, we would have done that instead of our little grassroots bullshit operation. Yeah, we had to do it the hard way by making content that a subgroup of people really like and want to support. Yeah, not some, like, my dad made a porno podcast type type bullshit where, like, episode one was loaded with commercials and already on, like, the Max Fun Network somehow. Yeah, somehow someone was like, hey, find me on uh, The Nerdist. I talked to random celebrities. You've never heard of me, though, but I have every backing. Yeah, I don't know how those things happen. I assume they're friends of network heads. Yeah. Uh, so, that number one, if you want to start a podcast, be like, Friends with Jordan Morris or something. That's that's going to be step one. Step one. Step one. Friends with Jordan Morris or what's his face? Yeah, so step one, you say you need to talk. Slow down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a talk. <laughs> oh, and step zero is, of course, acquaint yourself with the Vanadian flame sword. Indeed. And you can probably just use a couple of $20 Sure mics. I know people tell you, you look up those, like, what do I need to start podcasting? Easy setups. And it's always like, you're going to need $1,800 of soundboards and condenser mics. We still don't use those. Yeah. I have them. I bought them a long-ass time ago. We tried using them, and it turns out you need a fuckload of shit to make them sound good. Yeah, because here's the thing. With the shitty mics, they're not picking up a whole bunch, and that's for the best. It's good, because that means I don't have to baffle my entire crappy bedroom or build a studio. I assume the first step for most, like, how to become a home podcaster is, like, live in Vermont or some shit where land is free. 
I mean, that or a lot of people where they're like, I have a big closet and I go in there, baffle the closet, yeah. and I am podcasting within a tiny, tiny room. Anyway, there's no way that all this podcast advice has anything to do with the question, so we should probably move on to number no, one. that's how I cl- clown on or sing, is because I'm a <laughs> podcaster. I get her to start don't. talking about something on mic, and then I just leave. Yes, this is Aura Singh, most fa- famed bounty hunter in the galaxy, here for my podcast about how to identify fake beanie babies. And then I just, like, flicker in that little antenna, and she goes, Because <laughs> as we found out in this, if anything donks against that antenna, she just, like, has a seizure. So that's, yeah, that's how we're going to beat her, is we'll insult the quality of her podcast that she eventually puts out. We'll be like, we'll be like, look, I would love to listen to your fake beanie baby podcast, but it's like 80% lip noises. If you could, uh, if you could get that shit under control, come on, get a pop filter, just one. <laughs> They're not expensive. <laughs> it's like listening to my grandpa talk, <laughs> which is weird because my grandpa also really into identifying Beanie Babies. He doesn't even care about that. He doesn't own any Beanie Babies. He just likes spotting counterfeits. <laughs> That's his whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So uh, what else we got? Let's see if I can even read this without my glasses. I am so tired. I can't read a thing without my glasses. Uh, if Streets of Shadows was a good noir story, how would it be different? Street I mean... Of, Street of Shadows. Streets of Shadows. People's also making fun of us here for Street... With an S on both. In parentheses. parentheses S, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's Street of Shadows. It's stupid, but that's what it is. Meh. Yeah. Uh, so if it was a good noir story, I mean, a lot of the stuff we were talking about, you want to have... Uh, I would say the biggest thing that this is missing outside of the actual tropes mm-hmm. that you're missing is setbacks for the main character. Yes. Everyone's good at everything they do. The closest we see to anyone getting in trouble is that time that Den gets thrown in jail and he's out by the time we see him again. Yeah. We just get told he's in jail. Next page. Hi. Thanks for getting me out of jail. Yeah. This There's, is like the Cliff Notes version of a book. It's the... Usually the hero in a noir story, even if they're a great detective, mm-hmm. like super awesome at their job, they're usually dealing with something. There's some demons. That's why you have, they're usually alcoholic or they're in trouble with the mob or something like that. You need the hero to have problems yeah, and to- those problems need to get in the way of the resolution that's true and jack's i mean technically yes he has problems he doesn't have a lightsaber uh he's a a wanted jedi because he's a jedi at all uh he's obsessed with getting people off planet even though really he should be the one who's getting off planet so there are these things but none of them matter like at the the start of the book he doesn't have a lightsaber well here's a cool almost lightsaber you'll be fine here's the thing and also there's never a point where it matters yeah okay there's never a fight you lose because that flame sword is not a lightsaber exactly like you don't have an initial fight with, say, Aura Singh, where she uses a lightsaber, you've got the sword, and she cuts your fucking sword in half because it's not a lightsaber, and you go, wow, that was a setback, I lost something important, and the main villain was able to defeat me, a thing that should happen in order for stakes to be real. Yeah, I would also add that Clone Wars era Coruscant was full of notable figures already, and it would have been nice to see more of them be involved in, like, the... uh information gathering segments of this you know put in a couple of information brokers from the old jedi council buildings have him go to dex's diner and talk to dex dex is a perfect noir character he runs a 50s style diner <laughs> just have him go in there late at night and do like a a, a nighthawks reference 
Huh? You know, there's a bunch of known figures sitting in there. That would have been great. Eh. So just using a little more of the setting uh, in better ways would. I mean, for me, it really is just beat up Jax a little. Yeah, a couple of challenges here and there. Jax, give him an an addiction or something. Give him something that fucks him over. I want to have a moment where the hero is laid low so that they can overcome instead of just milk toasting his way around the story, bumbling like an idiot until he manages to succeed. The other thing about this book is that outside of the flame sword, all of the little totems of Star Wars itemry don't do anything. Remember how uh, we, we Orisin gets her bag of dra- of worm skin and it does nothing? You and mean the, Typho? Uh, is, oh, that's right. Typho gets a bag of worm skin and it doesn't do anything. And then Jax, at the very end, I-5 gives him a, a really, be really good at Jedi-ing potion juice. Like a little bottle of gummy berry juice type shit. He doesn't even drink it in this. Save it for the next one. The Boda extract. Nothing happens yeah. with it here. It's just it's just a waste. I, I, maybe you know that'd be a great chance for that to be one of the noir tropes. Make that shit addictive as hell. <laughs> uh, also, the right. whole book should have been written in black and white. <laughs> Clearly, shadows on every page. So many shadows. Yeah. All right. If you if you could substitute a famous competent detective, who would it be? Poirot, Father Brown, Jessica Fletcher, Columbo. So instead of Jax, Jax. we have an actual for reals detective. (laughs) Well, I mean, they've already listed Poirot, who is my usual go to. So I'm going to say Basil, uh, the great mouse detective. Basil? I'm going to say Basil Exposition from Austin Powers. In fact, I'm going to say Austin Powers. (laughs) Austin Powers, one of the greatest detectives of our time international man of mystery and he even has problems he has to deal with sometimes he loses his mojo he's a he is a classic man out of time yeah who needs to struggle with realizing his place in the world and is laid low by villains mm-hmm. only to overcome it god yeah. damn it recover recovers gets the girl in the end only to be laid low again at the start of the next one when he realizes she was a fembot all along uh, he's got natural weaknesses, like his inability to drive golf carts without getting them stuck in narrow passageways. <laughs> uh, Shagadelic, thought no one. <laughs> but no, I mean, the great mouse detective would also, uh, of course, have to co- uh, overcome a great many challenges in the Star Wars milieu, uh, starting with the fact that he's like smaller than Babu Frick. He's a little tiny mouse. He's a little guy. And yet he still has to solve all these 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 big deal troubles. I mean, he could just be like that giant mouse in the fucking uh oh the cantina. holiday special yeah <laughs> that big that big creepy mouse yeah i guess that could be basil yeah b arthur talking to basil there in that cantina <laughs> only if radigan was also in there just Hell at yeah. the bar just drinking his drinking his ass out drink my ass out <laughs> that's what he does baby I don't know. So those are our two choices, Austin Powers and Basil the Great Mouse Detective. Hell yeah. This is what happens when you send in a question and list all the good answers. Yeah. You can't do that. (laughs) When you list all the answers, I can't just be like, oh, well, I guess you said it, so. Encyclopedia Brown. That's my number one choice for this. He would have been like, who did this in the end? It was a robot because someone left batteries and motor oil at the scene. And Bugs Meanie also did it. And also Bugs Meanie did it. And he's like, yeah, this one I did. Fuck that guy. <laughs> How did we know Bugs Meanie did it? Turn to the back of the book. Oh, he was Irish. <laughs> Again. That's my favorite joke. I know. Because I came up with it, so I'm very proud of it. I'm sure. Yes. Even though it's, well, I don't know if it's racist. It's it's a sign of the times. It's a sign of how racist the times were. The, the very racistest of times, whenever Encyclopedia Brown was written. Yeah. I assume the 1830s. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> If it was more modern, his name would be World Book Brown. 
Zoo Book Brown <laughs> with the Elephant Edition. Microsoft and Carta 95 Brown. <laughs> Turn uh. to the back of the CD to find out who done it. <laughs> Ooh, it's a secret track. Ooh. All right. Um, you want to move on to the next one? Yeah. Go ahead. All right. Or is it me? It is you. But is, you don't have glasses on, so. Is Aura Singh, in this book, the lamest villain since Shizor in Expounded Universe history? And since Shizor was in the first one of these books, if Vader wasn't the villain of the third book, which Star Wars character would you bring in as the shitty villain for it to complete the trifecta? I mean, Waru is obviously the other <laughs> shittiest villain of all time. God, can you imagine if fucking Waru <laughs> was in book three? <laughs> Like Vader going to a giant pillar of beef stroganoff covered in gold shields and being like, I need you to find Jax Pavan. And it just kind of burbles and goes, feed me a Jedi. I'm sad that I'm a cult leader. Oh, I'm so gooey. The other thing is that an actual uh, potentially smart choice, if it wasn't Vader, if Vader was just a constant presence through the three books and was never the main villain, if uh, Heth Rear had been the villain of the third one, that would have made perfect sense because he would have just been Vader's current project. Well, yeah, because, you know, he was supposed to be a hand of Vader. Yes. So he he would make perfect sense. And it'd be neat to see him in, in a, a period where he was still working for an extant empire and not, you know... A, 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 not a, trying to make young, like, Nazis. Yeah, trying to run the, the young Nazi corps. Like, you see him in the very beginning being like, I'm the person in charge of... Uh, he, at the moment, he isn't in charge of a young... The Sith villain project because Vader still doesn't have aspirations of spreading Sithery all over the plant place. He just uh, he, he's just like his major domo or something. He's like, you go and take care of this for me. I can see Hethrier actually working here as like an introduction to the character. Uh-huh. Of course, no one likes Hethrier or Waru, so they're not going to get used for anything. No. <laughs> Shizor, however, everyone loves Shizor. Yeah, well, he's already, like they mentioned he's already in the first book. Yeah, well, he he was a big deal. Yeah. Like, you could be, I don't know, maybe they're like, oh, we'll get, I don't know, IG-88 or some shit. Mm-hmm, that'd be fine. Like Dengar. Bosk. <laughs> I, I mostly could see things like Zuckus and Forlom being, you know, the shakedown people. You're going to go shakedown Forlom in a bar somewhere for information on what's going on. <laughs> that sounds great. I would I would have loved to see that. I mean, otherwise, what are the other lame villains? What's that fucking guy in that one that was based on the MMO? That fucking guy. You remember him? He was named. You remember that fucking guy? His name was like Dax McDougars or something. He didn't matter. He was the guy with twin mohawks, and that girl fell in love with him, even though he looked like. Yes, I know. Yeah, that guy'd be. He was nothing. He was literally nothing. There's there's nothing to him. He is probably the lamest villain just because he sucks so much. Sucks so bad. I can't can't even remember his name now. No. Why would I? No. Nothing in that book was enough to stick in my head. Fish stink doer. That was probably his name. Probably. Yeah. Not not a good villain. Young, I'm, I'm I'm sticking with Waru as the right choice for the actual good answer young here. Young Jimby Scrimpso. Jimby Scrimpso. Maybe if the third folks villain was Elan Sleesbogiano. <laughs> like, what if he had risen up in the ranks of the Coruscant criminal underworld? You know, I gotta ask you. Yeah. We've been doing this show for a long time. Yeah. Why Why do you say Elan Sleesbogiano when there's, it should just be Sleesbogano? Look it up. It's because it's Elon Sleesbogiano. They changed it after the initial uh, release of character information, I believe for like a card game or something, adding the I, I think, to try and make it seem less stupid. I mean, not on the website. Huh, okay. Well, maybe I'll change it back to Sleesbogiano then, because I most recently, last time I looked it up, was it was Sleesbogiano now. They had added an I into the, in, in between there. Hmm. 
Nope. So, well, all right. There you go. I've just always assumed he was Italian, John. I've just always <laughs> assumed that clearly, <laughs> given all of episode one and two's very racist caricatures, <laughs> that they were like, oh, yeah, the drug dealer's Italian. <laughs> I'm making the death sticks. Hey, you want to buy a death stick? Uh, it's good. Have you ever seen the fucking the Kanye tweet where he says, I'll, I'll never make a diss record? <laughs> and someone's like, wow, Kanye's Italian. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, Elan Slee's Bagano would make a perfectly fine uh, additional villain in the third one. Like he's risen up to like Jabba style rank in the uh, in in the organization, his Death Stick sales organization. <laughs> now he's got. Yeah, Death he went home, rethought his life, and was like, "Screw selling Death Sticks. I should be in charge. I should hire people to sell Death Sticks. I gotta increase my downstream." <laughs> Yeah, and you know what makes a great death stick, by the way? A gun. That's a great word for, for that's a good thing for a death stick to be. I'm going to get into that business, too. You know what makes a good death stick? The smooth flavor of Coruscant tobacco. <laughs> Please, it's space tobacco. Put a Z or a V in there somewhere. Well, that's why it's Coruscant tobacco. Yeah, Coruscant space tobacco. Tazbacco. Oh, Tazbacco. <laughs> My favorite pod racer. <laughs> Uh, okay. Uh, All right. You, you're up. I'm going to try and find glasses. Uh, I feel like this book is bad about women, and it's in ways other than the typical noir tropes. For example, why can the team only have one lady such that Laurent leaves the second Deja joins? Why is professional badass Aura Singh such a goofus? Just in general, what's up with that? And, uh, I mean, you're right. The book is very much weird about its ladies. I mean, to be fair, most of the Star Wars books are. Yes. Uh, that We've gotten very used to hating every female portrayal in these books, even though we love most of these characters. I mean, how many times have we read a book and be like, God damn it, that's not like Leia at all. Why is she such a Karen in these? <laughs> uh, and the time that we had to do the book was Zavarian, and we were like, stop being mysterious. What the fuck are you? <laughs> I'm a stage magician. What? No. No, no, you're not. I'm a stage no. magician terrorist. Okay, you know what? Out. <laughs> yeah, leave. Walk go, into the ocean. Go forth. Walk into Waru. <laughs> water, water. She's true non-Jedi for me. I don't want her. You can have her. She's not force for me. <laughs> and then Hansel, she's just right for me. <laughs> Smiling roguishly. I'd fuck a pumpkin, says Han Solo. <laughs> He probably would. I mean, he had sex with that otter. <laughs> sex with that otter. Uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting to me because, I mean, obviously, noir generally not great about its portrayal of women in general. But you're right. It isn't in the way that noir normally portrays them. It just sort of <sighs> makes them bad at things. I think probably what's happening here is that Loranth is going to return to the fold in the third book. And they're just setting up kind of a a, a pain point to, for for the third book to deal with, just like how the, the I assume the first book set up that now Jax doesn't have his lightsaber. Yeah. So well, that was like, just the end of the book as he yeah. blew up whatever fucking plant they were in. Yeah, but here the end of the book is Loranth quits because she's like I could do better on my own, but I'm pretty sure that she'll be back in the fold by the end. Huh. My guess is Deja turns on them in the third book. I mean, golly, who could think that someone like Deja would turn on them? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're not, they're not, Deja in particular, I feel is poorly written here, uh, given that once we learn that she can turn all the sex smells off, 
And she's just been doing that the whole time, even even in situations where it is genuinely detrimental to her interests. Yep. Where she's just walking around going like, I smell like having sex with me. And you're just like, <laughs> smell like making love. <laughs> and you're just like, if you could turn that off for a second, you could carry on a more cogent conversation. Hey, don't get me. I love that song, too. I just smell like making love. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to go. Get off. I'll be in my car. <laughs> uh, but no, we, I agree. This book is bad about women. I, I don't really know what the book we've read at this point that's best about women has been. Uh, Parts of the Maz Eisley Cantina book where the Tonica sisters are just badass and getting shit done. I guess. It's pretty and much. you have, uh, I don't know, some worm that's going to eat you. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would love to get a book where it is very good about women. Uh, granted, we haven't. For uh, the closest we've seen to Mara Jade yet is her being sick and dying in in that one that we read that was set during the Eugene Vaughn crisis. Yeah, but uh, I know she starts with kind of a will they won't they love hate relationship with with Luke, but I think she probably gets a lot better after they get over that crap and actually just have them married. Well, I, but I mean, I don't know if uh, the I can't remember the name of Han's daughter. Oh, uh, Jaina. Jaina. Yeah, Jana might know, be one of the best. Better. The, yeah, the, the, she's probably been the best treated so far of the three uh, solo ch- kids. She's the most successful by by country mile. She doesn't turn into a Darth, and she doesn't die at seventeen. And I feel like she's probably one of the best characters that are uh, a lady that we've seen in a book because she's too young to sexualize mm-hmm. or just kill mm-hmm. so they're like oh what can we do with her uh she can she's just good at piloting i guess is her yeah. whole thing and you're like great you have a good competent pilot and you don't try and like do stupid shit with her so i mean i was about to say that my favorite female character we've met so far was tash aranda so i'm like yeah Same thing. little kids rule the world basically <laughs> yeah little kids you can't <laughs> can't you can't fuck them up by sexualizing them in stupid ways yep by being absolutely awful to your ladies uh, when you have a kid, you get to circumvent a lot of that. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on. I have my glasses on now. Hooray. Uh, this is not a Street of Shadows question. Uh, it's just a Star Wars question in general. The newest episode of Boba Fett reveals that EDM exists in the Star Wars universe. Now, John, you're not watching Boba Fett. Yeah. I am, and it, it does. There, there's the actor Thundercat is running a uh, an underground uh, cybernetics droid part ring, and they're listening to some sweet vibey EDM when they and it's playing the whole time they walk in. Yes. Um, what is the electric stupid... dick music? I assume. <laughs> well, I mean, hang on for the end of the question. What is the stupid dumb name, a la jazz, being jizz for EDM? Electric dick music. It's, it's my favorite magazine, Electronic Dick Monthly, <laughs> <laughs> or what I used to call heavy metal. Dism. <laughs> Dism is really good, actually, because it's dance isms. Yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, I can see that. Drum and balls. <laughs> Drum and balls. Yeah, because it's played on on really weird little ball shaped instruments that they have to like touch all over all the time. You know, like they're just do 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 like they're touching parts of a globe. Oh yeah, I mean you could yeah. just call it Balzac. Yeah. <laughs> honor to Balzac. <laughs> I would love to honor to Balzac. <laughs> so there you go. It's either dism or drum and balls. <laughs> honor a de Balzac. <laughs> Take your choice. What's up next? Uh, if Dijah were to meet Shizor, would their sex stinks cancel each other out 
Or could they join forces as rich sex stink weirdos? I feel like with Shizor's hedonistic lifestyle that he definitely described at length for forever, uh, there's no way he hasn't hooked up with a couple of Zeltrons here and oh, there. Oh, of course. There's there's no... Unless, unless it's a matter of... I can't allow myself to hook up with any other sex stink. Yeah. Like he doesn't fuck other Faline. He doesn't fuck Zeltrons. Mm-hmm. Cause he's like, ah, tis no sport in it. <laughs> <laughs> I would assume that he had sex with a Zeltron at some point, And that's what birthed the concept of sending his robot to break up with his ladies for him. Cause he was like, well, I got to break up with a Zeltron. He'd get in the room and be like, oh man, she smells like making love. I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> Guri, get in there and turn your nose off and break up with her. Yes, boss. Yes, okay. But I don't know. Maybe they have counter smells. Like, you know, the two smells interact and they don't work. Or maybe to each other's species, the stinks are different and smell terrible. So that to a Phalene, a Zeltron smell is just like, oh, that's like dog shit. (laughs) Yeah. And everyone else, it's like when you take two great flavors that taste uh, taste great separately but do not work together. You know, they get in the room and you're like, man, I was really craving sex because I thought I smelled Zeltron. But then I got in here and there's Phalene as well in it. Smells like peanut butter salmon. I don't. I don't want this. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. Oh, it smells like oranges and toothpaste in here. This is the worst. This is a boner killer. Maybe that's why the two species do not interact much, or probably have gone to war a number of times. Oh, for sure, yeah. they've gone to stink war. <laughs> we have declared that you got your chocolate in our peanut butter <laughs> and must be eliminated. All peanut butter must be destroyed. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's see. We have a couple here about uh, noir detective movies. Uh, what other genre do you think would be interesting to see with Star Wars, and how will the EU eventually fuck it up? Yep. Oh, they, they do mention that in ages past, I did ask for a noir detective movie in Star Wars, because someone had asked about what genres oh, that's right, would yeah. you like to see in Star Wars, and now that I know that they would fuck it up real bad. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have our, our second chance. What else do you think you'd like to see in Star all Wars? All right, well, let me just get this monkey's pie out here real yep. quick, and... Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to go with one. Road trip boner comedy. Uh, give me <laughs> give me a bunch of like stormtroopers in like Imperial training, and mm-hmm. they're all like, we got to get laid before we graduate. Exactly what I was thinking. They yeah. steal an AT-AT, and they ride it into Mos Espa to get laid for one night of hedonism. Hell yeah. And then just crazy shit ensues. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> the gooch this bar has sandwich. a Zeltron and a Falene in it. This guy fucked a sandwich. <laughs> that's not a sandwich. That's a sandwichoid. <laughs> I had a good time, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> was it good for you as well? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Let's get married. Okay, guys, I'm quitting the I, Empire. I'm marrying this sandwich. Me and the sandwich are getting together. <laughs> it has the meats. <sighs> has the meats for me. <laughs> but yeah, road trip boner comedy. I, I, also, I would I would accept uh, in the same vein, a Star Wars Porky's set at the Jedi Academy. So really what we're saying is we want a horny comedy. I do. I want a PG-13 to R-rated Star Wars horny comedy. Yeah. Is that so? Is that so wrong, or does that make perfect sense? Uh, can I? Can I? Can I? Can I, can I get can a I get wet a hot Star American Wars? Star Wars? Oh yeah, give me, give me that Jedi Academy, but it's played like it's uh, summer camp. Yeah, that would be awesome. Just Luke's you, Jedi Academy, so it's post. Yes. Uh, Empire. Yeah, so you got characters like Lobaka and Jason and Jaina there when they're still kind of like 13, 14. 
Oh yeah, yeah, and and at that age, you don't you, you can have sweet love, little uh, little little kid love things without it being about like shower spying or whatever. Oh it, yeah. It, so instead, and Jaina can totally like cock block her brother. Yeah, exactly. But it's you know in a cute Pokemon blocking cock blocking uh, Brock kind of way, as opposed to you know like pulling his boner through the shower hole. Oh no, just yeah. talking about like oh yeah, remember when you were like I don't know communicating with these weird insects the other day. <laughs> Hey, you still got a frog in your pocket? I'm going to turn into a Darth over this, I swear to God. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> but yeah, like, they have to, like, do it. They have to conduct a raid on the Sith camp on the other side of the lake. Yeah. <laughs> Damn camp Sithawana. They beat us every year in dodgeball. Damn it! <laughs> we'll get you this, your Darth Ugg. <laughs> get it right or pay the price. <laughs> So yeah, Sith's or uh, Jedi summer camp, Jedi teenage summer camp is definitely one I'd like to see. Great. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, where would you say this book falls on the good to bad scale for being a noir detective story? I think we bad. Bad. We talked about that was most of what we talked about at the beginning. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's, it's just shitty it, as a detective story. Like like we said, it hits the hallmarks but wrong every time. Yeah, it's better as a Star Wars story than it is a, as a noir story. That's for sure. Yeah. If you were going to form a Star Wars detective agency using only side characters from the books you've read so far, who would you choose and what would their first case be? Hmm. Hmm. I mean, we've already named a bunch of names, so I think we might have to start uh, reusing characters here. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, obviously, I definitely want (laughs) some six-legged dog. As part of the team, the Scooby of the team, if you will. I don't remember her name, but I definitely want that like plant specialist Jedi from uh, the, oh, zo- yeah. the zombie book. I feel like she's definitely in there just because she's a specialist. She makes sense on a team. Yeah. You pull so we her got a for- specialist. We yeah. got a Scooby-Doo. <laughs> the space dog. Who's the space dog? You know, the six-legged wolf. Oh, okay. Oh, the wire wolf. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we had the wire wolf. I was going to say, if we're pulling something from that book, I would have wanted that cool centaur kid. Nah. But yeah. Okay. We got a wire wolf. Who's I mean, Scooby. we can have both. It don't matter. Yeah, that's fine. We can have both of them. Uh, she can be the, I don't know, Velma yeah. of the group. Yeah, well, yeah, sure, that's fine. I mean, it feels more like she's going to be the muscle of the group, but Scooby-Doo ain't got no muscle. Yeah. You got I mean, Fred, but he's really more like Fred's a not muscle specialist. Yeah, he's really not. <laughs> he's another specialist, yeah. Yeah. If anything, he'd be that that girl from the, uh, that woman from the beginning of the zombie book. Yeah. God, I really, I, I'm having a tough time with names today. Yeah. Hey. Because the first person I really thought of was I wanted that, like, bishy anime kid from the zombie book. Ah. The one who was like, everyone was afraid of him. And he, he was like, you're right to be afraid of me. I am definitely like the, 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 the big bad villain of this, this, uh, Shonen, or Shonen Jump story. And then he just dies right away. Yeah. And he just gets et in a fucking yeah. like mess hall. But right up until that point, he's the Sephiroth of summer camp. And I feel like he would have made a good like dark leaning against the wall in the back of the room addition to the detective team. Aww. I have my own methods for how I find information. I mean, as far as side characters go, you definitely have enough of like, I feel like there's too many that are competent because I kept trying to go like, all right, who's kind of a dumb asshole that I could get in here? Dash Rendar. Dash Rendar. Dash Rendar's definitely the team lead for no good reason. Like, he's always like, I think we should go this way. And everyone's like, that's obviously wrong. You, We should split up, Dash. <laughs> See, whereas I'm thinking in a noir sense of like, someone who's an alcoholic but still good at their job sense. Oh, okay. Not someone who sucks, <laughs> like Dash Rendar, who sucks. He just sucks. How about Dash Rendar's droid, Lebo? <laughs> Yeah, sure. He's finally left Dash Rendar behind. He's addicted to Droida Hall or whatever. <laughs> Droida Hall. <laughs> uh. Sold. Done. Done. So we got, we got the 
the the plant Jedi or not plant Jedi, but plant specialist Jedi from the zombie book. No, and also a ninety meter tall plant guy, the, the, the ninety meter Hoden doctor from that one book. <laughs> I'm here to help. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> and then what's the first mystery they have to solve? I don't know the it's case the, of it, the missing fart. It should have something to do with uh, plants, so that the plant specialist Jedi can get in there. Maybe one of the home trees on Kashyyyk just goes missing entirely. They have to find like a three mile high tree that's been stolen. Yeah, that's why they need a ninety meter yeah, tall Odin. Exactly, so he can look around and see if he can see it over the tops of the other trees. <laughs> no, I don't see it from up here. <laughs> Who needs doctor help? No one. Your fingers are huge. There's no possible way you could help anyone. Let, <laughs> let me put my stethoscope down. I could live in that. <laughs> Many do. <laughs> so, I don't know. Tell, send in your, your team, because I'm pretty happy with ours. Uh, which of the novels you've gone through to date would be improved with the addition of a carnival fight sequence? Uh, this one would well, be could be just more of them. That'd be fine. If you removed every single appearance of Typho and replaced it with a carnival fight sequence? I mean, obviously, the, uh... <laughs> Coruscant's got so many fucking carnivals. It's just carnivals all the way down. Yeah. You get to a certain level, and it's just carnies. <laughs> Floors four through seven of Coruscant are all carnivals. Uh, I think, you know, obviously the universe of fear shit. Yeah, like... I mean, they actually do go to a haunted amusement park in that in that series. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it, 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 wouldn't, it wouldn't put... It wouldn't be too surprising if them to have a fight in an amusement park, and it would just be great. Yeah, that could be. That's what you, know, you want. Chased by haunted clown robots or something—that'd be great. Clown droids, of course. Yeah, I also yeah. want, of course, the witches of Dathomir to have to fight in I don't know a merry-go-round or some shit. I, I could see. Yeah, the force witches of Dathomir having to like the first time they go off planet and they like are being taken on a tour of a cool amusement park when shit goes down. Or, of course, the force witches of Dathomir create a something wicked this way comes type carnival. <laughs> Yeah, I'd be okay with that as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, the zombie kids going on a field trip to a carnival when the zombie thing breaks out would be fine. <laughs> it'd just be another place for cool zombie shit to happen. Yeah, now you just yeah. got zombie clowns and shit again. Yeah, it'd be fine. So, uh, all right, next one is, while Loranth was terribly underused in the story, you guys mentioned a couple of times that the basic notion of the gray paladins was an interesting idea for Star Wars. What would be your pitch for a story featuring the paladins? I mean, first of all, for the paladins to be interesting, we gotta pitch the we gotta pitch Gray. Gray's not it. I don't like the Gray Jedi thing. I, I I get it. It's so the players can feel like their characters are cooler when they play the uh, the RPG. They're like, my character's light and dark side in equal measure. But that's not what she was. She was more like a good guy who used guns instead of lightsabers. Well, yeah, it was it was basically light side Jedi's that don't ascribe to the jedi philosophy of yeah. how to do things but that they were still cool. light side that was still that was what was cool was that it was an alternative force tradition yeah and uh and i feel like that kind of thing where the alternative what would be neat to find out is that they blossomed and spread while the jedi faded into obscurity oh yeah so you find a couple of planets where they're like oh yeah there's a yeah the law out here is yeah the gray paladins oh dude how cool would that be if you if, if the uh the genre convention you went to was westerns and you had some outer rim place where they actually, like, as opposed to Tatooine, which stopped setting shit in Tatooine for fuck's sake. Yeah. Uh, there are so many planets. <laughs> so many goddamn planets. <laughs> but there's, like, a western planet, and there's, like, gray paladins that are the local marshals. That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. And someone shows up, and they do the whole, like, I shoot your blaster bolt out of the air with my own, and they're like, don't fuck around with me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they run you out of town. Hell yeah. Oh, that'd be so cool. And then, like, big old stinky Sith Bart shows up. and <laughs> Big stinky Sith Bart. 
Big stinky Sith Bart only pawn in game of life. He wants to, uh, I don't know, put plaque on your teeth. <laughs> it's up to Sheriff Brushy to get rid of him. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, that would be a great use of the Grey Paladins in general. I just really like the concept that there are alternative Force traditions. It's a big galaxy, and the Force, the, the Jedi did kind of get cloistered towards the end of the, the Republic era. Yeah. Where they're all like li- literally living in a fucking ivory tower. Yeah. I think it would be neat to have that be the kind of thing where people were like, oh, yeah, we consider Jedi to be the hokey old religion because there was a point where they stopped like doing anything in the galaxy, but they considered the Grey Paladins to be an actual thing. That'd be great. Han, like, the Han fuck was is like, a Jedi? Han was like, of course the Force exists. Everyone knows about the Force. I'm saying Jedi don't <laughs> exist. Jedi are dumb and shitty and an old, stupid religion that never went anywhere. Yeah, not like Grey Paladins. They're going forward at the speed of light. Board the Grey Paladin train today. It's a new Millennium the, Falcon. The Grey Paladins are running around at the speed of sound. <laughs> I'm going to follow their rainbow. <laughs> I'm so horny for this bat. And I don't know why. Well, because I fucked that otter. Probably because of these chaos emeralds. <laughs> uh, what's up next? Uh, let's see. Do you think the switch over from Republic to Empire is a good point to set a Star Wars story? And if so, what angle would you prefer a story take? I, one of the things that keeps bugging me more and more about Star Wars is that the Empire lasted like 26 years. Yeah. Uh, because every other empire is like, how long did the Ratataki Empire last? Millennia upon millennia. How long did the Sith Empire last before Darth Bane kind of ended it and took off on his own thing? 4,000 years. How long uh, did Palpatine's Empire last? 26 years. You're like, that's kind of... It's a little shit. It's kind of sad, really. So I, I guess I could see it being kind of a cool thing for it to be set right around the, the birth of the Empire. Thing is, we do know a lot about what happened then. You've got Order 66, which takes a lot of the interesting players off the field. And the problem is, every time you set a book around here, it's always like, here's four more Jedi that Order 66 missed. Yes. And that is that is kind of a continuum. It's continu- why, when you set it in this time period, you almost have to not do the Jedi, or else it's the same story every time. Yeah. It's always like, Order 66 didn't get me. Uh, cool guy Pavano, the Jedi. And also these two other Jedi, I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were all fine. We were uh, in the elephant bar. That's right. We were in the elephant bar having cool drinks. Mm-hmm. Mm. Order 66 just didn't think to look for us there. So there you go. Uh, I think it is a fine setting, although Order 66 is a limiting factor. That's the answer to that question. There we go. We have time for a few more. Uh, I think we only have one. Oh, good. Well, then we have time for one more. Yeah. With a recent example of Aura Singh as a recurring antagonist who just gets dunked on every time they show, uh, undercutting any threat they might pose, what other Star Wars character would be good to have in that role but have it be deliberately funny? Now, someone answered this in thread, and I think it is the correct answer, which is Kylo Ren. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of, yes. Kylo Ren getting continually dunked on because he's a (laughs) a little dork is great. (laughs) I would also accept Jason Solo. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the same it's the kind same, of idea. Same, literally the same person in the same role, Han Solo's scrappy son. Yeah, just a, a shitty second-gen wannabe Sith who just gets dunked on constantly. <laughs> but barring that, and I know we already mentioned him, but I would love to see Hethrier routinely get his bottom spanked <laughs> instead of him being fed to Waru at the first opportunity of having just escaped, because he's like a... 
He's the closest thing you see to a literal Nazi in, in Star Wars. And I, I like the, converting him into a Colonel Clink to take all the threat out of him, you know, and just have him lose every time. Uh, I'll get you, Jedi children. Oh, <laughs> I'll start this again. <laughs> I slipped on the blood. My walls bleed. Why did I do this? Uh, so Hethrier would be my my choice. But yeah, I think Kylo Ren is a very good good option. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there you have it. Yeah, every, definitely. Every question. We answered them all. We went through them all. We spent the time, the energy, and the effort, and the love. Now, of course, there's one last thing we got to do on this episode. Oh, yeah? What's that? We got to tell you what we're doing next. Jesus Christ, you're right. I was so tired, I literally forgot the format of these episodes. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. But, but this do. is a big one. We do. It's a huge book. and it's, it's Oh, no, I, I, not also, just the size of the book. It's a big a, one. a well-known book, yes. Uh, I, I tried to dig up another well-known book, but it turned out it was like 860 bucks a copy. 860 bucks? Eight, 860 a, a copy for it. it was, wow. But it was really expensive, so I, I couldn't get it. So I ended up going for another choice by the same author instead. Uh, so let me just give you the back real quick, and then we'll tell you the title. All right. <clears throat> Glasses on. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, it gives it away in the first two words. <laughs> I, I, I wish I could tell you more, but here we go. Corrin Horn had distinguished himself as one of the best and brightest of Rogue Squadron's elite fighting force. Then his wife, Mirax, vanishes on a covert mission to for the New Republic, and Corrin vows to find her. To do so, he knows he must develop the latest force powers inherited from his grandfather. Latest? You think that'd be latent, right? Yeah, you'd think. But yeah. whatever. No, he's got the hottest new force powers. <laughs> These hot new force powers I got from my grandfather. They came back into style. It's retro now. <laughs> Everything old is new again. Uh, the latest force powers inherited from his grandfather, a legendary Jedi hero. Uh, he joins Luke Skywalker's famed uh, Jedi Academy to begin training, only to quit in frustration at Skywalker's methods. Now Corrin is on his own. Using his Corellian undercover experience, he must infiltrate, sabotage, and destroy a ruthless organization in order to find his wife. But to succeed, Corrin will have to come to terms with his Jedi heritage and make a terrible choice. Surrender to the dark side, or die. If I don't eat this entire pizza, <laughs> I'll die. Or surrender to the dark side. That's right. It's I Jedi, uh, one of the biggest uh, names in in uh, old legend Star Wars books. It's a huge book, but all the reviews say it's propulsive and fast to read through. Well, I so, certainly hope so. So we'll find out because this shit's like five hundred and something pages long. But people have been asking us when we're going to get to some of the big names in the Star Wars expanded universe. You know, Wedge or Tycho Selchu, uh, which is what I actually tried to do. The book I shot for was Wraith Squadron. I want. Turns out expensive. It's very expensive, uh, and I, I'm not. I, I'm not sure why. Maybe they just went out of print or something. Right. I, could, I could find it for free as a Kindle audiobook, but I felt like that'd be real weird for us <laughs> to review a. And I don't know why I felt like it'd be so weird to review an audiobook. It just felt wrong. It is wrong. It is. I want to be able to read them because I read pretty fast. Yeah. So I guess I could listen to it at 1.5 speed. Yeah. Anyway, so I Jedi's up next. I uh, don't know the chapter breakdown yet. But uh, look forward to that. It's going to be a really exciting one. You're going to finally get to meet the legendary uh, Gary Stew himself, Cornhorn. Ah, uh, God bless. The Cornhorn is on his way. Mm-hmm. Get used to that. That that, uh, that emoji pairing. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think his legendary grandfather's name was? Presumably, he is also a horn of some kind. Presumably. 
Hmm. Could he be like a doot doot horn? Could that be his name? Ah, or? yes. My famous grandfather. <laughs> Spoopy horn. <laughs> uh, well, you'll find out soon enough. Hey, thank you so much for listening. By the way, we are going to make our bonus content same as always. That'll be over on the patreon.com slash system mastery at the $2 level. That's right. We're finally going to put together our last of this season's stuff from Wikipedia. And then uh, we're taking a little break, as we always do after we finish the season, so mm-hmm. we're going to have a week off. Hopefully I'll get some sleep in that time. Hopefully you can spend the entire next week sleeping. Yeah, I, I would try. I, I assume we're going to play some board games. Well, and, you know, and look after your child. I, I do have a kid I have to look after, yes. I mean, luckily she's pretty much fire and forget these days. I just put her on her scooter and let the neighbors complain. I just put her in the backyard <laughs> and let her show up with hands the color of night. <laughs> Oh, she's been a worm digger for like a year now. We've gotten used to that. Oh, yeah. Sage loves bugs the way other kids love watching TV. Like she she'll be watching TV and be like, can I go outside and dig for slugs? She just loves them. Loves them. Yeah. I have to keep her away from bugs. She kills them at a rapid pace because she just won't put them down. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, she'll like pick up a worm and go, look at this worm, and then just start pulling it apart. Well, she doesn't do that. She doesn't dissect them in my knowledge. What she does is just hold them until they're dry. Uh, so, so anyway, that's, it's a sad time for bugs, but a great time for developing entomologists. Hooray. Hooray. Uh, patreon.com slash system mastery to all level to get that bonus content where we go to Wikipedia, we find all kinds of cool stories and we tell them to you and it helps support us. It supports Sage's bug habit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you thought I sounded tired in this episode, just you wait, brother, <laughs> brother or sister, uh, because I'm going to, or whatever, because I'm going to sound way Sibling. tired. Sibling. <laughs> <laughs> coming soon oh i'm coming soon and i'm elan sleeves bagano sleeves bagano and i've lost my eye hey you get it lost my eye yes (laughs) 